Thank you for joining us. Our guest today is Russ Jacobs, Managing Corporate Counsel at Starbucks Incorporated. In this episode, Russ and I are going to discuss how Starbucks is using blockchain technology, NFTs, how they protect against copyright infringement, the size of the Web3 project within Starbucks, and finally, trademark infringement, and how is Starbucks approaching this new complicated area. Without further ado, let's begin. So, uh, welcome Russ. Let's start off with a who you are, uh, what your role is at Starbucks, and also within the uh, Web3 environment. Thank you so much, Dietmar. I'm so pleased to have this opportunity to speak with you today and to uh, talk a little bit more about Starbucks and our interest in Web3 and what, how we think it might be able to uh, really meet our customers' needs. So uh, again, my name is Russ Jacobs and I use he, him pronouns and I am Director Managing Corporate Counsel of Intellectual Property at Starbucks Corporation. In this role, I lead intellectual property and brand uh, protection efforts globally. And my team has responsibilities for IP issues relating to Web3. Say about five years ago, five, six years ago, I started becoming more interested professionally in Web3 and trying to understand uh, both the technology and then also from a legal perspective, what issues we might encounter. As a lawyer, I, I have that lens. So I think about it from a legal perspective on that. And so at that time, I, I became one of the point people within our law and corporate affairs department on Web3, in part just to understand the, the, the concept. And at that time, we really thought about it in terms of blockchain, which was the main component that people talked about at that time. And so really thought about it there. And then since then have shifted roles a bit, but I have a role uh, kind of as a single point of contact or the main point person on some of the projects. And then we'll loop in or refer to colleagues in the department on a particular subject matter expertise and make sure that when people have uh, questions about Web3 across the enterprise that either I can answer it or that we can bring in the right people on that. Brilliant. Thank you very much for that. Well, that, that brings us neatly on to uh, the, the first point that you raised, which was the original interest being around blockchain. Um, and I guess the big question really is, is how does, how does Starbucks view the blockchain environment? So when I first started following blockchain in that time frame, most people or the, the popular press at least talked about Bitcoin. That's really how they thought about blockchain. And I think, yeah, absolutely. And, and so that's kind of an entry point for a lot of people who are coming in with casual understanding or minimal understanding on that. So I, I, I came in really wanting to understand that as the kind of basis, but recognized pretty quickly that uh, Bitcoin and cryptocurrency wouldn't have much of an application at Starbucks, at least in the in the near term future, but started seeing ways that uh, Starbucks across the different functions and the different business groups might actually have an interest on that. So one of the areas that I thought uh, particularly 
might get some leverage was on the supply chain side because of the great possibilities with blockchain as operating as a, a ledger. So to be able to track goods throughout the um, supply chain process and that, that ended up happening. So as Starbucks uh, has had an emphasis for a long time on traceability of its coffee and has really stood out as a leader in sustainability and sourcing uh, for coffee. One of the challenges always though had come up in trying to source beans directly back to the uh, farms of origin. When Starbucks sources from smallholder farms uh, around the around the world, so Starbucks does, has one coffee farm, uh, which we do not use really for supplying coffee for the, the products, but really more for research on that. So, when you go into a Starbucks store, most of the coffee that you um, buy, in fact, pretty much all of it, will come from a co-op or a smallholder farm somewhere in the world. And Starbucks has been known since the beginning for blending coffees too. So that creates some challenges when you're trying to uh, trace that through all through the supply chain so that if a customer wants to know, you know, where did this come from? You know, how do you build a system to do that? So uh, some of my colleagues went in that direction and they developed uh, a, a blockchain solution or worked with a provider to develop a blockchain solution so that when you scan the, the code on the on the uh, package of of uh, coffee that you would get in a store. So if you get whole bean or ground coffee in a Starbucks store, that will provide you information about sustainability and, and the sourcing throughout that, which is, I think, a great use case for blockchain that doesn't get as many of the headlines because it's not maybe as sensational, but it is it is meeting a very specific need. It's how what blockchain actually is intended for it's that that is so i think is actually a really cool application of it absolutely and i i, I totally agree with you because most people look at when they hear the word blockchain they immediately think of cryptocurrency uh and and they don't they don't see that there are other avenues for usage of the the blockchain uh, uh ledger system that is currently being produced um that you know that kind of actually moves very smoothly into something that that starbucks is pushing out at the moment or is talking about it at the moment which is the nfts um so the non-fungible tokens but so images etc um so how how is starbucks you know looking at this because there's a lot of potential for copyright infringement uh, as well as, you know, algorithmic or AI uh, usage that could then in, involve, be involved in infringement, etc. How, how are you, how are you, or not you personally, obviously, but how is Starbucks working towards, you know, resolving that issue or trying to find a good method of resolution? Sure. So our, interests uh, um, in Web3, I think, have developed over time. So as you mentioned, we now have a project, of Starbucks, the Starbucks Odyssey experience, currently in beta, where uh, through partners, we mint uh, NFTs, we call them stamps within this ecosystem. And really as a 
part of our loyalty program or as a separate loyalty uh, program. So right now, currently confined to the US, you have to belong to the Starbucks Rewards loyalty program. Uh, but if you have that membership already, then you can join this new loyalty program. And the idea behind it is to think about different ways of engaging with Starbucks customers in that Web3 particularly creates or lends itself to. One of the things about Web3 that, distinguish, that, that distinguishes it from Web2 is the um, decentralized nature and the possibility for commu community in a different way so that you can have uh, multi-directional communications within that community rather than just a one-way uh, unidirectional communi communication from one person to another. So within the Starbucks Odyssey experience, the members do have an NFT component. The NFT component really functions as a utility token to indicate uh, membership within the community, but it also ties to a collectible as well, which is beautiful artwork that draws on Starbucks heritage, as well as having a Web3 aesthetic, I would say. Uh, the creative teams have done a great job of, of building that out. Um, and with that, uh, yes, it has a collectible element and people might uh, want to trade it and that's an option. But really the intention of that is that it, it's part of being in the community. Um, it's uh, an, an indication of your uh, participation in the community as well. I think from an IP standpoint, how we look at it is uh, really from a visual art perspective with respect to what we call the stamps, which is the artwork associated with the NFT. And then how are we, how are they being generated? And then how would we best protect them? So we've can see a lot of different paths on that. Copyright offers a, a good op option there too, because we can have registrations for those and thinking about the different channels where unauthorized versions or knockoffs might show up, what would they want in order to act quickly and minimize their friction in order to do a, a pull down or action on a takedown request? And so if we can provide a copyright certificate, then that will make it easier for them. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's a, that's a, that's a very good point that because there are, there are multiple platforms that exist at the moment that allow people to, to sell uh, or market uh, a particular image. Uh, and sometimes some of those images are blatant copies of the original image that may have been done by others. Um, so yeah, that's a, that's a good thing. Um, how big do you see or is the Web3 project within the Starbucks organization um, at this present moment in time? Sure. So Starbucks Odyssey experience is in beta and has thousands of, of participants at this point too. And We'll see where that goes. I mean, Web3, we don't know in, in one, two, three, four, five years how native it will feel to people. Or might this replace the Starbucks Rewards program? I'm 
not signaling that it will or, or it won't. I think because it's in a beta phase at this point, there's a lot of learnings that can come out of that. And then it would define the trajectory going forward, the experience within the beta. I think the participants have had a high level of engagement and excitement and uh, the demand to participate is quite high too. So I think that that shows the potential there. The, the question will be really what from a business perspective, how do you do it in a way that aligns with the with Starbucks other business plans very naturally and the team working on it has executed a, a very solid plan quite strongly too. So I don't have a lot of concerns uh, about that. I think that they'll continue to show up. Yeah. I mean, as, as, as we spoke about this before, between you and myself, um, I am a Starbucks rewards customer. So I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this going from being US, being in the US at the present moment to being something that is offered worldwide or, you know, moves around the world uh, as an option. Um, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing how this, uh, how this progresses. Um, as an, as, as a, as a community, we use the term Web3 quite loosely, um, but Web3 does have other aspects to it. Um, so one of those aspects, for example, is the metaverse, not to be confused with meta, the organization, uh, but metaverse is like Decentraland and Insomnia and, and, and uh, Somnium and stuff like that. Um, within, within the metaverse, um, have you is is there quite a big Starbucks presence at the moment, uh, or is that something that you're looking to become involved within? At, at this point, Starbucks does not have a real presence in the metaverse. I think for a lot of brands, it provides opportunities, um, particularly when you have events uh, in connection with, uh, you know, if you're a fashion brand, if you want to really have a tie-in to your fashion shows, or if you are ha have a partnership with a sporting event, like in the US with the Super Bowl, or, or more globally, if you had one with, with the Olympics or, or a World Cup or, or something like that. So if you wanted to have a tie-in with that type of event, then that might create a lot of buzz to go in. I think brands will struggle with the resources needed to maintain a presence in one or more of the different lands. So it, the, the, you have development costs, um, but then beyond that, if you want to have a good customer experience, then you need to have a compelling reason for them to keep coming in. But then also really it's, it's the people that you would need to have behind it. Um, from, from your company to be able to support those going in. So I, I don't know what that will end up looking like at, at Starbucks or how it will well yeah i think i think a lot of brands are sitting in, in a similar boat as you say i mean those that are in the fashion industry have utilized it uh there's the fashion week that usually comes around in january um and and things like that but for most brands it is a a wait and see situation at this present moment in time um other part of web3 is also the blockchain domain side of it um, which we haven't really spoken about. And how does, 
how do you as as Starbucks feel uh, about the blockchain domain aspect? You know, are you heavily involved in it? Do you, uh, are you planning to be heavily involved if you're not? And if you are, do you see that there's a, uh, a potential usage for it? With the blockchain domains, when we talk about those, similar to how we, we use Web2 concepts to talk about other aspects of Web3, it's a little bit of a misnomer, as, as you know, Deepmer to be talking about blockchain domains because they function very differently than you would think of a, a, a domain name from Web2, right? I think the entrants into the space who use blockchain domains, when I say entrants, I mean those who offer them for, for purchase uh, have really stood themselves up very quickly over the last year or two and are trying to build that infrastructure, um, but they don't have all of the pieces of from the Web2 world that like UDRPs or um, all of those takedown procedures or ideas of a sunrise period too. And so it's really been powerful to see a desire of the brand owners to work with companies in that space to try to figure out solutions going forward because blockchain domains have a good purpose or can be used for legitimate purposes and are necessary within that ecosystem. Uh, and brands will have needs for them too. At the same time, you want to figure out a way that if there are problems with cyber squatters as we would use a you know, web two term or misuse of those, that there are meaningful ways to actually get a pull down or have resolution, uh, maybe adopting some of those Web2 concepts of UDRP. So I think at, at this point, as we think about it, a brand owner will want to take a defensive position too, to understand what might be the risks for those uh, blockchain domains that a cyber squatter or, some, or an opportunistic individual or, or entity might come in and try to take them where it will be hard to pull those back later. In addition, if you, if, if you do have an active wallet or, or are engaging in the metaverse um, or in a lot of blockchain transactions too, then to take a very thoughtful approach about which, which blockchain domains you would use. Absolutely. For that. Yes, absolutely. Um, and talking about the trademark side of it, you know, um, there is there is there is quite a bit of trademark infringement currently going on in in in, in this environment. Um, and you know, what kind of protections would you like to see from the the the, the blockchain providers or? Uh, others that provide a service, you know, like blockchain domains or NFTs and stuff like that. Um, I won't mention any of the platforms that are in, that are out there at this present moment in time. Um, but you know, what, what kind of, what kind of things would you like to see them doing more proactively, uh, to help you as a brand protect your intellectual property at the end of the day? When we think about how to partner best with those companies, I think we identify the need for good takedown um, processes. 
if everyone wants to avoid litigation. So if you can have a, a mechanism where it's notice and takedown, for example, drawing from a digital millennium copyright act concept, which is used by platforms now in the web two space, I think just building that out in a way that is easy um, and then having sunrise periods in particular for blockchain domains. Um, and, and in addition to blockchain do, domains having a sun, sunrise period, we've heard discussion about maybe requiring having a, uh, showing a trademark registration or some proof of trademark rights in order to acquire that, or at least having a, a, a blacklist. So you could do it from a whitelist or a blacklist standpoint too, to identify which ones should, you know, should be allowed, which ones should not be allowed to go out to, to others, because there is a cost that comes with actually, not, not only purchasing the blockchain domain, but then maintaining it on a long-term basis. And so if there's a way to avoid those fees without having to um, purchase them so that you could put it on a blacklist that it doesn't go forward, I think that would be a, a helpful concept. Yeah, absolutely. Because I know there are quite a few new providers that are coming along all the time. Um, and it would be good for them to when they are being created to, to actually put these types of processes in place so that you as a brand owner can go to them and go, look, you know, we represent Starbucks and, you know, these are the terms that, that, that we feel should be, should be protected because we have a trademark right to these particular terms. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think, I think that's something that will slowly but surely develop um, as, as time goes along. Because as you said earlier, I mean, a lot of the the organizations that have come up at the moment, they, they're quite new, you know. So so for a lot of them, they've either looked at the Web2 environment and seen what works there, um, and or they haven't looked at the Web2 environment and have just gone, you know, hey, we've got a great idea. Let's see what happens. Um, and that does then kind of end up creating more problems sometimes than than um, than than are good. Um, how do you, as Starbucks, protect your trademark? And and I don't mean this from a UDRP perspective, etc., but more from a registration of the trademark. Do you do you see do you see that? You know, do you see trademark uh, new classes being created that would be beneficial for 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 trademark holders within the Web three environment? So we've seen the NIS classification does have some new listings, so some new standardized listings that might be relevant. Starbucks has had a long presence in the Web two environment and. So some of those descriptions of uh, goods and recitations of services that Starbucks or other brand owners would already have will provide protection. And you'll see too uh, with the Hermes uh, Metaburken case going on too that it's a question whether or not you would need web three specific recitations of services and um, descriptions of goods particularly for famous marks in order to protect protect them. So 
I, I think if you are coming up with a new a new brand, um, a new trademark, and wanting to go in and you don't have that reputation, then having a very uh, specific recitation of services that's in the Web3 space, whatever it is, if it's issuance of tokens, if it's um, sell, sale of virtual goods, that you have that so that you can stake your rights out. It's a bit challenging, I, I think, at this point because the offices, the, the trademark offices are still trying to figure, figure it out. You know, what are the actual goods and is it use in commerce? You, you know, what, what are they actually selling here? And then it's also a pretty crowded space in a lot of ways when you look at all of the different applications of Web3. So if you have a cryptocurrency or some kind of token that you offer under one name, is that necessarily related to a uh, uh, metaverse environment. And you have to look at that on an individualized basis, of course. And But if it's a cryptocurrency with very low value and very low trading too, then, then that's a different scenario than if you talk about F or um, Bitcoin or something like that, right? So if someone were to jump on um, Bitcoin and use that name without authorization and some other Web3 application. I think it proves my point that they probably have a strong claim of trademark infringement, even if they didn't have registration specifically for those goods or services. Absolutely. Russ, um, thank you very much for, for, for talking to us today and also giving us a little bit of an insight into, you know, Starbucks and, 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 and how it views, um, the, the Web3 environment, et cetera. So thank you very much for that. Um, really looking forward to, as I've said before, uh, the uh, NFT piece uh, coming out of uh, beta or beta uh, and, you know, coming towards uh, this side of the pond. Uh, <laughs> um, that would be great. Um, and uh, again, thank you very much for your time. Uh, and uh, yeah, thank you very much for the insights. Thank you for this discussion and for the work that, that you and your colleagues do to try to explore these issues and create community and, and discussion to really recognize the possibilities in Web3 that people can work together to develop and not view it as a threat. I think some people just find it very confusing or, or threatening too, but really trying to work together so that we can make the best use of the possibilities. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much. Thank you very much, everyone, for listening. Big thanks to our guests for answering all our queries. That was very informative. If you have any additional questions or would like to have a chat with us, please send an email to web3 at comlado.com and we will get back in touch with you. If you want to hear more interesting discussions on Web3, follow our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or YouTube.